How about that cigar? How about that cigar? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Drew Estate Cigar Studios for episode 159 (laughs) of How About That Cigar Live. Thank you so much for joining us live on Facebook, live on YouTube, and of course, for those of you listening on the audio podcast, thanks so much for making How About That Cigar a part of your regular audio podcast rotation. We really appreciate that. And of course... You guys saw the big announcement from Drew Estate just last week. They have revealed the secret identity of the mystery cigar, and it is the all-new Nika Rustica Adobe, the second expression in Drew Estate's value-priced Nika Rustica line. The Nika Rustica brand is Drew Estate's homage and tribute to Esteli Nicaragua. The Nika Rustica Adobe will be available in a 6x52 Toro, 5x54 Robusto, and a 6x60 Gordo, all presented in 25-count boxes. While retaining many of the same characteristics as the Connecticut Broadleaf expression, Nika Rustica Adobe is the spicier version using a Habano wrapper, Brazilian binder, and Nicaraguan filler tobaccos from Esteli and Jalapa. Unpolished and refined, Nika Rustica Adobe is a medium to full-bodied cigar that offers loads of spice with a bold and very long finish. The perfect companion for adventurous cigar buffs. Nika Rustica Adobe will be available for regular production distribution to all uh, all retailers beginning in August. For more info, please visit DrewEstate.com. So, um, sad news for, well, common news for, <laughs> for Minnesota sports fans. Um, sadly, oh, the Minnesota geez. Wild were eliminated from contention in the Stanley Cup playoffs um, by the St. Louis Blues. Um, the Blues played a great series. Uh, the Wilds, you know, had had, had their, their chances, chance. And they played really well in mm-hmm. in overall they played really well they did play a good series but st louis is just extremely talented and it's minnesota and it's in it's a minnesota sports team Mm -hmm. so and i saw somebody posted the uh whatever the horrible history of uh whatever the run that we're on right now with minnesota sports teams when it comes to losses in uh I don't want to talk about it. Um, losses in playoffs and things like that, and it's it's just abysmal as far as it is. You know everything except the Minnesota Lynx. Really, it's it's pretty terrible. But you know what else is terrible? Um, My muscles. <laughs> so I see that Michelle is in the is in the comments, and uh, if anybody doesn't know the Pausers, uh, they're on so many of the different cigar Facebook pages. Uh, they work out and they smoke cigars and I was, I was sick of some of this stuff and I reached out to Tom and and Michelle and they put me on this program and today was day one and I, what I thought were two wonderful people are both assholes. (laughs) They're assholes. So if anybody's wondering like what they're really like, they're assholes. I can barely move my arms. But I, I, I'm gonna make it. So will there be a day two? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm all in. Um, I'm doing, you know, the shake, the uh, the, the, the shake daily. weight. It, uh, it's a little. <laughs> I would do the the motion of the shake weight, but it would hurt right now. <laughs> Literally, my arms are like that. Um, like it's you got the, you got the I got oh, the shake. Okay. Yeah. And um, uh, but it's that 
you know that you're working you know that <laughs> our, things are are i remember there. that friends episode where the, uh, i don't remember why but the, they were in this coffee house one day and one of them was his muscles were exhausted from working out or something like that and he goes to reach for his coffee and he goes ow 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 and then all the way up to his face ow 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 so that's kind of where you're at right now it's totally where i'm at uh the first like when i went to open my car door uh with all my stuff i was like oh no this is not gonna be a good night uh so tomorrow we'll have a a whole new set of uh soreness i'm sure but yeah you know it lets you know that you're you're doing things and yeah. i i'm honestly grateful for for both of them they they are truly wonderful people well and, you feel the burn, you feel the burn your way i'll feel the burn there my way absolutely so <laughs> um so let's uh let's get into our uh, our main segment of the evening guys we have a fantastic special guest that we're very excited to talk to so let's get our special guest on episode 159 and as always special guests on how about that cigar live are brought to us by our friends at corona cigar company corona cigar company and coronacigar.com the internet's largest and easiest to use virtual cigar store corona cigar company offers you the finest handmade cigars humidors and cigar accessories at the absolute lowest possible price You'll also find unique and limited cigars containing Florida sun-grown tobacco. As a proud American, president and founder of Corona Cigar Company, Jeff Borshowitz believed it was possible to bring cigar tobacco farming back to Florida. At Corona Cigar Company and CoronaCigar.com, you'll find the best selection anywhere in the world of cigars containing this special Florida sun-grown tobacco. If you live in Florida or are just visiting, be sure to visit any of the great Corona Cigar locations in downtown Orlando, Sand Lake, Lake Mary, and also the Davidoff of Geneva Lounge in Tampa. For more info on all of that, please visit coronacigar.com and floridasungrown.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, if you would please put your hands together and welcome to episode 159 of How About That Cigar Live from Rockefeller Cigars, Mr. Kevin Schweitzer. Welcome to How About That Cigar Live. Hey guys, how are you? Doing well. Doing well. I see we caught you on the road. Tell yeah, I'm us. Usually uh, on the, I'm usually on the road. Are so, you? Yeah. Okay. Tell us what uh, where you're calling from and what uh, you're smoking today. I'm in downtown, beautiful, historic Fredericksburg, Virginia. This is right by a lounge that we deal with Hogshead. I'm going to go there in the morning. Awesome. Fredericksburg, which is an excellent lounge. I'm smoking the uh, Dominican Blue Short Pyramid. It's an Ecuadorian Habano. It's got some Dominican fillers with a Sumatra binder. It's an excellent cigar. And some secret nice. sauce that we don't talk about, but yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I have also fired uh, one of these guys up and just getting into it, and it is delicious. Um, Matt. I'm going to fire one up myself. Matt's going to fire one up right now, and that'll bring us to our uh, toast cam situation. So stand by for uh, toast cam. When lighting your cigar, it is important to be patient, pay close attention to detail, and focus on the tobacco. In the same way, Steve Saka. <laughs> Sorry, brings those same qualities to the ultra-premium cigars of Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. Patience, close attention, and focus on the tobacco are the qualities that Saka and Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust have become known for. From Sober Mesa to Umbagag, Dumbarton has a blend that will fit your palate, your mood, and any occasion. Visit DunbartonCigars.com to learn more. 
So, Kevin, uh, yes, we're, we're extremely grateful to, to have you on uh, the show for the first time. For those who may not know about Rockefeller Cigars, they may not know about Kevin, uh, give us, you know, kind of that, uh, what cigars was for you? When did you first get into cigars? And if you remember that first one, bring us through that. Oh, yeah. My, oh, yeah, grandfather, my grandfather gave me a, a white owl in Brooklyn. <laughs> love it you know it was white owls royal jamaicans back then yeah i was 19 mm-hmm. years old but okay. my father held them in high regard my father was cigarette smoking never really smoked a cigar but he loved his father so much that when he found out i was smoking cigars he really didn't yell at him because he held them in such high regard nice and did you follow that was probably my first cigar <laughs> And did you enjoy it? Was that a was that something that kind of stuck, or it was just one of those? I actually like the feeling of holding it in my hand, right? I felt like sophisticated, like I may even know a white owl was a white owl, right? But it was yep. like kind of cool. So yeah, yeah, I did enjoy it. All right, and then bridge the gap, bridge bridge the gap between that and when you started to really get into premium cigars. Where so probably where, in the '90s, probably yeah. in the '90s, Don Papine. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, for one day, Avos. Mm-hmm. That's probably what got me into the cigar industry. I went to a place called De La Contra, that was on Sixth Avenue at this time. Lionel and George, they taught me a lot about cigars. I worked on Wall Street. I went in there. I checked it out. I was in my twenties. I loved it. Awesome. That was my first, probably my first spot. No, actually, Famous was my first spot, which was on I think at the time Thirty Eighth and Ninth or Thirty Ninth and Eighth. And I went there. I spoke to Arthur, Arthur Soretsky about cigars all the time. He oh, a small wow. little shop. It was great, yeah. Great great guy to learn from. My gosh. Um, yeah. Absolutely. What uh, What about, so you, you mentioned Wall Street. Uh, and I know a lot of people who know you know about your, you know, your, your career before cigars. So give us a little kind of, what was a day-to-day like for you when you were in the Wall Street game? I had to get like, so I hated being on a desk, right? Okay. I always got to be moving. So I'll go through the story again. When I was a kid, my dad did business in Canada and um, I went to a mine. I met with some geologists out of like, you know, they don't want your kids, whatever. So I ended up going to a mine in the Red Lake District of Ontario where the Plaza Mines were and I was hooked. I love gold mining. I, I, to me, it was like, it was incredible. So I got out of high school. I wanted to be a miner. And um, I sent my resume to Newmont, to Barrick, and they're like, who is this kid? I think Pierre Lassan was the CEO at the time of Newmont, and Barrick was Peter Monk. Those are the biggest companies, right? Newmont controlled the Carlin Trent in Nevada. Very big companies. They were in South America, all over the place. And Barrick controlled Canada and parts of Africa. So anyway, so... I sent him my resume because that's what I wanted to do. I want to travel. I want to do that. That didn't work out. They're like, oh, you're too young. When you get some more experience, I was discouraged. I was upset. But I went to Wall Street and I started working with this guy, Paul Carlino. He, he used to work for a company. Called, well, he worked for us. But before that, I think it was Merrill Lynch and Smith Newcourt, whatever. And he told me all about the South African gold stocks and how they trade like utilities like Val Reeves, Strifontaine, Harmony Gold. Western Deeps, they were all, you know, South Africa at the time was 15% of the world's gold supply. Mm. It was huge. Yeah. But it was very hard to get the gold out of the mines, extremely hard. And people would leave those mines and, you know, the form, where are you going? They'd get shot. They would change their CEOs all the time. It, it's pretty crazy, actually. 
And so that's what got me. So when I got into Wall Street, I started learning about all the equities and the London Bullion Banks and everything. I started learning all about that and physical gold and how it worked. I met with some investors and I started getting involved with investors. And then I started working with mines when they wanted to sell a piece of their mine. I would get the investor involved. We'd fly down to high risk areas. I mean, you guys probably looked on my LinkedIn, right? So we dealt with international governments, yeah, international gold and silver sales. It was crazy. Some places had no embassies. I mean, we were down there with military and translators. It was nuts. But I like that. I like being from 28 to 42 doing that. I loved it. Then when I got back on Wall Street and I, I was running program trading for Schwab and I sat on a trading desk, I was miserable. I <laughs> yeah. fucking hated it. I mean, I loved having all the contacts, meeting people and everything because I love interacting with people, mm -hmm. but I was bored, right? I, yeah, I can't be sitting on a desk. So... Yeah, I eventually got burnt out from it, and I wanted—I was going to buy a cigar lounge. I was going to open one up on Pacific Street next to Barclays in Brooklyn. I decided we went to the trade show. I went with a retail. I was helping out in 2014, which is a great store, by the way. It's new ownership since then. Huntington Humidor in Long Island. In Huntington, phenomenal store, great people. Great selection, too. And so went that went down to see them. I mean, not went down to see them. I was like, I went down to the show to help them out. And I met some people and eventually ended up being partners with somebody who I can't really discuss about it, but we were partners and then I eventually took over the brand. So there okay. you go. I brought, and I went to Nicaragua and I was like in love with Nicaragua because to me, it was like going back to those countries. I was happy as can be. And that was a quick fast forward of it. So were you basically just sick of being the wolf of the boiler room or did you? <laughs> it wasn't a boiler room. We were market makers. Okay. So market is a difference. Okay. So, yeah. So well, I'm explaining to you. Yeah, yeah, I so, love it. So the retailers or these – so you would get an order. You would give it to your broker. Your broker would call the order desk, and they would call us. So we had like a Christmas Christmas tree of different calls from, from different, like different areas all over the place. From Colorado, we had offices in Denver, Chicago, everywhere. They would call on those phones and give us the orders. Then we would execute them. And then eventually programs took over, then eventually algorithms took over, and eventually everything's computerized anyway, so there was no real brain that you had to think anymore. Okay. Absolutely. That's that's how it worked. So what would you say when when you made the transition and you said, okay, I, were you in the market for a, a brand that was that was uh, available? To, we're talking cigars here. When you when you were you know gonna make the move to, uh, you know and and purchase Rockefeller, were you in the market for a brand that was purchasable or or was was Rockefeller specifically on your radar? So I was looking, so no, it happened by accident. Like I was saying, okay. I met the guy at IPCPR completely happened by accident, and when I realized it wasn't working out, I had to change things. I completely changed the whole thing around once I bought it. And so you said you love, you fell in love with Nicaragua. You go down to Nicaragua. I'm sure you, you know, visited the factory. What were the, you know, being, I mean, you knew about cigars, but at that point, I'm just assuming you didn't know about what it took to run a factory and all of that. Was there a mentor or a process that you went through to, to get uh, dialed in? I had no fucking idea upon the expression. Yeah, no, <laughs> I walked in there. I walked in there, and I looked at what's going on. I was like, "Wow!" And I kept my mouth shut. 
because I didn't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. I did say to him because there was a translator there. Why am I using your factory when there's 20 other factories? Mm-hmm. And then I had a whole conversation with him. He's a flood. I don't know if you know the guy, but Jose Valdez is a flood generation mm-hmm. Cuban grower from Pinar del Rio. Yep. And yeah. he's phenomenal. And I think he's an incredible blender. And after I met him, I just loved it. I think Don yeah. Gonzalez was there at the time. He was talking to me and he was translating. I think he was, he was the one who was there, if I remember correctly. I've been there a lot since then, but I, I mean, I just, I just loved it. I want to be involved in the process. I want to go down to that factory, down to our Dominican factory, which has Victor de la Cruz. If you know he is, he was oh, production yeah. manager at Davidoff during the Tobacco yeah. Dom days at Tobacco Air L&B. And I just love being involved. Yeah. Awesome. I'm a hands-on type of person, yeah. And Because so if, if, everyone's much- gotta, if everyone's got to smoke it, I got to know it's good. Yeah. Yeah. And that that pretty much sealed it for you because, like you said, you you asked them, you know, why should I stick with you? There's there's a you know a couple dozen other factories I could go right. with, and, but but it pretty much sealed it for you seeing seeing their attention to detail and all that. That this you're you're sticking with this factory in Nicaragua. Absolutely. Yeah. And the changes that you needed to implement were more so maybe on the the marketing front. You knew that you had good cigars. You had a good factory. So then when you, you know, kind of took a step back and looked at it from a business perspective, what were some of the changes that you knew you needed to implement at that point? I trademarked everything. I took it down to zero inventory and started fresh. Okay. Wow. I took all the stores down to that had no inventory because whatever, that's all another story. Yep. So I took, I, I liked it because I was able to take a brand with a great name and turn it around. Yeah. And I like, I like problem solving. I like doing things like that. You know what I mean? And I went in and met with everyone and, and just hit it off. You know what I mean? It's all about seeing the forest through the trees. Not yeah. saying, here, take 20 boxes, we're done. And not, you know what I mean? I'd rather the guy buy four or five boxes and keep reordering four or five boxes. I want to build a relationship with all my retailers. They're almost like partners to me. Yep. And look long term. Yep. Yeah. It's exactly the same Wall Street mentality I had. Okay. So starting from scratch like that, especially with the retailers, like you said, taking the retailers down to zero inventory and starting from scratch. Well they, well, they had zero because he wasn't doing anything. So yeah. So how does how does that look as far because retailers obviously, um, you know, they've got their their shelf space is limited and that kind of right. thing. And then when you start building back up uh, factory production and building back up inventory and are ready to ship product. How did that look like from the retailer's perspective and your relationship with them as far as saying, okay, we're ready, you know, because I'm sure some of them were like, well, I'm sorry, but I, your, the shelf space I was I had for your brand is gone. So right. what does that so look it was, like? You know, it was about building trust. Okay. That's what it was about, earning trust back and building trust, and that's what we did. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly but, what we did. All right. right. So now, Kevin, as uh, we are heading towards uh, PCA time, is Rockefeller going to be at the PCA this year? Nope, not this year. Okay. Okay. Um, What is the strategy then for this this time of year? I know that you're on the road a lot. Is is that kind of the focus of uh, just boots on the ground? Yes. And something else that I can't really talk about right now. But yes. Okay. Absolutely. And I just got to give a, so I fired, you guys saw me, I fired up this cigar on the toast cam and 
I mean, it's just, it's, it's holding together just beautifully. Uh, the, the flavors from the cigar, it's so smooth. This, uh, this blend is so smooth. The retro hail is effortless. Um, I'm really digging it very much. Uh, draws right on the money. So I retroed, I retroed. Hey, Garrett retroed. He's, he's a growing boy. I am. <laughs> um, so Kevin, uh, we got we got some stuff from a, a little birdie mutual friend of ours. <laughs> said uh, you were uh, and probably still are a punk fan. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so I want to ask you, why is Green Day the best punk band ever? <laughs> I don't think Green Day is the best punk band. I think Blondie was the one who started it. Wow. Okay. Blondie, I like that. I think Blondie with Rapture was the one who started it and Rip It to Shreds album. I, I couldn't day. agree more. That, and that was had the Sex Pistols over in England. Yes. And then, um, you know, I, Elvis Costello, you can go around the clock, right? Ramones. Ramones. Misfits. 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 Yeah. Dead Milkman. Joe Jackson. Joe Jackson. Anybody get into the Dead Milkman? I'm not familiar with the Dead Milkman. Oh. Yeah, I'm not. Familiar, I'm not familiar with them too. Yeah, they were. I mean, they had uh, they had one uh, one decent hit. Um, of course, the the song totally escapes me. But um, so uh, punk and uh, you played a you played a little guitar. Yeah, I played electric guitar for years. Oh yeah. Did you yep. ever uh, play in a band? Yeah, when I was younger, I played in a band called Renegade, but yes. Awesome. Was that I, had long of... hair. I had long hair, you know, the whole deal. <laughs> was was that kind of your was that kind of your music of choice for the for the band you were in was punk or did you play a different kind of style of music? It was more heavy metal. Oh wow. Nice. Mm -hmm. So you had the uh uh I mean I'm eclectic. I like music. I like well, I mean I could listen to Rick Wakeman for hours. Yeah. And then I could listen to the Who, you know what I mean? Then I could listen to the B-52s. Then I can listen to classical music. I appreciate all kinds of music. Love it. What music did you grow up on? I guess in the 80s. Actually, so I was born in 65. So I guess I grew up in the 70s. So my sister was a hippie. Yeah, so okay. she gave me all her albums. I think the first album she gave me was Grateful Dead, American Beauty. Nice great album right i think skeletons and closet friend of the devil was on that then i then uh second album she gave me was joe cocker with a, with a little help oh from your yes friends. oh then she gave me you. europe 72 nice mm -hmm. nice uh punk rock girl was the name of the the song by dead milkman oh there you I go gotta hear that. oh it's so good nice so i went through all those phases I also one of the questions we got that we have to ask about is that you have a you have a love of magic. Yep. So how did that come about and who are some of the people that you love to watch? It's a lot of them. So okay, it came about it came about my father took me to a show called The Amazing Randy. Oh, yeah, yeah, City. yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you know. The, right, the amazing Randy, and he yep. buzzsawed somebody, electric buzzsawed somebody on stage. And I remember walking around because they called the audience up. I was mystified. I was blown away. I was like, "This can't be real!" Right, my mind's going a million miles a minute. 
what's going on here? This just, just can't be real. And I remember when I when I got home that night, I, I went through books and all this stuff, and I was like, Dad, can you take me to Tannins? It's on 40th and Broadway. I want to get into magic. So Tannins had a fire. So they had a fire sale. So I was able to buy a book called The Royal Road to Card Magic was my first magic book. That, and then I went and got some lessons from this guy, Kevin, and funny as that is. <laughs> and I got a couple of books called Now You See It, Now You Don't. And I, I eventually I was Kevin Fantistico when I was a kid. I did some <laughs> oh. parties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. And then I can still picture the card with the, the hat and everything. And then um, then I got really into it. Eventually I went to a magic camp. Uh, you know, it was like an art, arts camp and it was eventually mm -hmm. on magic. And uh, eventually I joined the Society of American Magicians. So when I was a kid, I used to go to Rubens. Rubens, they used to do magic and I would like bring them coffee, right? That was like years and years ago and in the city and and then um i met up with guys like doug edwards and harry lorraine who was unbelievable card magician darwin ortiz is an unbelievable card magician he's probably one of my one close to my favorite paul harris was an unbelievable card magician mm -hmm. david roth was an incredible coin magician so all these guys i i like meant i mean like i just love watching them and learning from them and it's funny the other day i was in well not the other day about six months ago, I, I sold this store called Main Street in Jersey and Woodbridge. And there's a magician there that I knew from when I was a kid. He's much older now. And he's like, well, let me see you do something. He's like, well, you, you, you got to get rid of that habit. You got to do this. And I was like, wow, it's just so cool to just run into somebody from so long ago that I used to do magic with. It's amazing to me. We used to go into back of restaurants and just practice. It was a lot of fun. Very cool. And obviously, you know, back at, uh, you know, TPE, was that TPE or PCA? That was TPE uh, 21. 21. We yeah. had Kevin, the modern medalist, who's, ex who's excellent. Yeah, he is. Yep. He is very good. We got some, uh, there's some video up on, on our website and our, our YouTube page with him. And yeah, he's just a, he's, he's, he's a great uh, card magician, but also uh his presentation is fantastic. It is the way he works a crowd yeah. and uh, people is, is fantastic. And yeah, that's gotta it, be really cool for you guys. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I was planning on doing PCA and I wanted him to come. And that's one thing. And the other thing was, is that um, we actually made a cigar that we were going to do for PCA. And then this other thing just came up out of the blue and I have sure. to do it. Yep. But that cigar is still going to be around. <laughs> well, we can't so, wait for it, man. Well, and yeah, we had yeah. um, Jason Ladani. Yeah, J we had Jason Ladani on on the show about two years ago. Yeah, it was it was ago. in the middle yeah. of you know COVID summer, uh, and uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Jason Ladani, but he absolutely blew us away. Uh, good friends with Kevin as well, uh, and uh, yeah, actually, uh, it was Jason who was the poker player, um, and. Uh, yeah, great show. So uh, uh, viewers and listeners, go back and, and check out our show with uh, Jason Ladani. It was fantastic, fantastic show. So in my cup is Basil Hayden's bourbon this evening. Mm. Somebody, uh, Todd was asking, Basil Hayden's. And then uh, if, we also if, hear if you. you uh, if, if, you go, if you guys go on YouTube, there's this guy called Adam Kennedy, who Di okay. Vernon, I think it was Di Vernon, it, it was either him or somebody else, 
He's the only guy who could deal from the center of the deck in Kansas City, Missouri. And he went searching for him. And there's a video of Alan Kennedy. It's either Adam Kennedy or Alan Kennedy doing it. He was the only person who could do it. It's just De unbelievable. Dealing from Darwin the or Darwin and the center of the deck. And Darwin Ortiz. Oh. And people would lose all the time. He would do it at a saloon in Kansas City, Missouri. And Darwin Ortiz was the world's authority on gambling mm -hmm. to catch cheats. So you should, if you ever watch videos of him, too, he's just unbelievable. I love it. That is a fun rabbit, uh, YouTube rabbit hole is uh, card magicians. And uh, I've been enjoying, you know, Shin Lim a lot recently. Oh, he's, he's incredible. His reinvention is, incredible. is, I mean, it's amazing work. Um, so you also have a love for baseball. Yes. Uh, I'm not going to assume being from New York, but who's your team? <laughs> New York Mets. Oh, oh we, we called that wrong before the show. We, we asked each other. We did. I was like, is he going to be Mets or Yankees? Yeah. And we called it wrong. So we did thinking, uh, I saw the Mets play the A's in 73. Charles Finley, Charles Finley's A's. I was hooked. I became a Met fan. I stayed loyal to the Mets ever since. Was that, uh, was that the A's with, uh, uh, like Dennis Eckersley and, and, was that or Jose was that Contigo. later than that? Uh, Jose, that was. Oh, uh, we could go through it. So you had Gene Tennis at first, Jesus. right? Yeah. You had Gene Tennis at first. You had Campanaris at short. You had Sal Bando at third. Who was the second? Garner, I think it was the second baseman. Right field was Reggie Jackson. Center field was Bill North. Joe Rudy in left. You had you had Vita Blue. Vita Blue. Catfish Hunter. Catfish. Blue oh. Moon Odom. Blue Moon Odom. Raleigh Fingers was the closer. I'm missing one. Oh, oh, Ken Holtzman, I think. I'm missing one pitcher. I think it was Ken Holtzman. I'm so not sure. I, yeah, my, my brain mixed up. Uh, it wasn't Eckersley. It was Catfish Hunter that I was thinking of. Yep. The mustache messed me up. Well, and Raleigh Fingers uh, uh, near the end Freddy of the had that mustache. Yeah. yeah. The perfect handlebar. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I don't know. Allison's husband sports a great handlebar. He does. Yes. And wears some awesome shoes. Yes. Right. That's how I met them. I noticed his shoes when I first met Allison. Oh, really? <laughs> nice. Yeah, I was at Skip Martin's party. I was like, are those shoes? Are you kidding me? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good dude. Yeah, they're both oh, yeah. wonderful people. Yeah. Uh, I have stopped trying to pronounce their last name, and I've now just... Uh, <laughs> yeah. I've. It's Unholy Biscuit. Unholy <laughs> <laughs> Biscuit. Yeah. Uh, love them so much. Did you guys hear about uh, the? There was a uh, a no hitter, but it wasn't officially a no hitter. Yeah. No. So I no. didn't know that um, if you are the um, home team and you don't pitch all nine innings, it's not a no hitter. If you don't have right, to pick yeah, that yeah. final inning, it's not officially a no hitter. Yeah, you've got to. You could. It's got to be a full game. It's got to be a complete game. I know, but that just seems like if you pitch an eight inning no hitter, it's still a great. I mean, to pitch eight in, eight innings with no hits is still a great game. Fuck but yeah. it's not. It doesn't in the record books. It doesn't count. Right. Yeah. It just seems like a bit of a cheat. So uh, speaking of that, so. Um, the Mets had one against Philly, yep. The, the Mets had one against Philly, but I don't remember exactly how long ago it was. 
sometime within, I'll say within the last 10 years. Um, and his name is escaping me right now. It will come back to me if somebody remembers, put it in the comments. Oh, the Mets? Few, no, I'm talking about the Yankees. Uh, I believe it was a Yankee pitcher who was pitching a perfect game. And you remember Jim Joyce called that. It was the it was the very last inning, and Jim yeah, Joyce called um, that runner safe at first, but he was out by a mile. Um, and so there's there's actually a court proceeding in in, in progress Shut currently up. in the courts where I don't remember who it is, but there's some group of uh, uh, David. Mm, nope, that's not who I'm thinking of. Sorry, Raul. Um, but there's there's a court proceeding that's going on to try to get that fixed in the record books so that huh. they give him. And even after the, the post-game press conference, Jim Joyce was like, yep, I screwed it up. The kid was pitching a perfect game, and I took it away from him. I screwed it up. I oh. made a bad call. And it um, – Galarraga. It was Galarraga, the name of the yeah. pitcher. The last name of the pitcher was Galarraga. And he was pitching a perfect game, and and it was literally the last hitter, and he hit a little wow. he hit a little chopper, and um, Galarraga is actually the one that ran over to first and took the ball from I think the second baseman, and uh, he was out by a, at least two feet, and Joyce called him safe, and so they're anywhere they're working on trying to get that overturned. Interesting. I didn't. So know I don't know if they'll get it, but. I didn't know that he deserves it. It was definitely a perfect game. Um, so, so I want to go a, a little philosophical briefly, Kevin, because yep. we're big we're big uh, fans of the cigar world in general. Obviously, we do a podcast about it, but just as far as the cigar hobby goes, the cigar culture in in the world, mainly in the U.S. where we live. What what is it that about the um the cigar hobby that because it's under fire, you know, from whether it's from the FDA or from whoever else, it's under fire. And what why do you think the cigar hobby is important to preserve? What is it that you think is important about the the cigar hobby? The hobby or what's wrong with the FDA? Or both? We'll say both. <laughs> First, let's start off with why you think the cigar hobby is important to preserve. So the cigar industry has become like a culture. It, it's become like a club, a group of people in all different states. When I travel the country, I feel like every other every lounge has the magic of their own lounge, right? And we all have that great common denominator, the cigars. We all know the bond. And it's just the people interaction. It's, it's just phenomenal. It, it's just, first of all, and I got to say, a lot of women have come up in the industry so much now. It's so great to see. You know what I mean? And it, and they're so involved. And it's just a wonderful industry. I mean, it's, it's easy for it to become a hobby and start collecting different kinds of cigars because people are working on different blends and changing blends and having special blends out there. You know what I mean? It, to me, yeah. I just love it. And what so you- much about it. And it is. It's so it's so rich in history, and there's so many countries that that participate. And, oh and, yeah, and, and Absolutely. it's it's what do you and you touched on the FDA piece of it. What do you think? Um, what do you think as an industry we're doing right and doing wrong as far as working to get, to fight the FDA and get things back to a 
I don't think we need to fight the FDA. I think we need to work with the FDA. Okay. Okay. You know, you know what I mean? I think we need to work with the FDA because they're going to be around a long time. They're going to be coming after us. Right. I mean, back in the day, doctors smoked cigars and they had signs up in their offices of, of, of cigarettes and cigars. So, you know, I think it comes down to dollar value, right. And how they can make money and how they can profit off it. Cause let's, let's face it. There's a lot of things out there that you could die from, right? You get hit by a car walking across the street and die. So yeah. my point is you can't ban everything. And cannabis has become such a huge thing now. And they know they could tax it when they eventually put the safe banking act through and make it legal. They can't really do that with cigars. So they want a product out there that they can make tremendous revenue off of. Although user fees and charges to tobacco have gone up constantly in cigars and cigarettes, right? So they're just trying to control it, in my opinion. So if we work with them somehow, instead of fighting them, I think we'd get a lot done. I think Rocky's great at that. I mean, with the CRA, Rocky's been tremendous for our industry. Tremendous. Mm -hmm. As a cigar lawyer, as a lawyer, and he's really helped out the industry. Him, Pete Johnson, it's a lot of great guys out there in our industry who support for us. Yeah. They should be very proud of themselves. And I just think it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. I really believe that. Yeah, we're wholeheartedly agree, and there's there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And I I like the way you put it that working with the FDA because there's got to be, and hopefully hopefully there can be some kind of uh, reasonable discussions had between you know people from the CRA and PCA and uh, like right. you said guys like Rocky and Pete Johnson and uh, Alan Rubin and so many others that. Oh, Alan that, Rubin's great too. Yes, I forgot. Yeah. Yes. They're constantly putting in the work to get the message across about how different this industry is than big tobacco. You know, that it's more that it's 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 about more than um, uh, the dollars and more than the, um, you know, just a, a nicotine fix. It's uh, this is a culture. Mm -hmm. Well, big tobacco can go to K Street and lobby anytime they want. Right. They have such power. It's unbelievable. I mean, how big is our whole industry? A billion something? Yeah, roughly. Right? Billion three, billion four? Yeah. You have one cannabis company alone that's worth that. And they know where they can make their money. Right. So they want to get as much tax revenue as possible. Yeah, we had like that, that in that Minnesota. Forever. I mean, but tobacco's, but tobacco's been around forever, and it's going to stay around. One way or another, yeah. it's going to stay here. We had that I mean, in Minnesota. I come from New York City. And the fact that they tax New York for tobacco 75%, it's crazy. Yeah, the tax rates in some states, New York included, are off the charts. California. I'm so happy to be in Florida. It's like it was 20 <laughs> years ago in New York. Yeah. Yeah, Florida is super low tax, pro-freedom, that yeah. kind of thing. One of hoping yep. uh, to get, uh, you know, John McTavish uh, from Developing Palettes um, has often been on panels that that we've we've had and and he continues to say he saw what is happening in the united states happen unfold in canada yeah um and you know continues to warn us to you know uh take action and and you know i'll piggyback matt and saying i love the fact that you said work with the fda because there's such a propensity to say we need to fight this and well i agree with that um, uh, that energy to, to go out and be active and do something, but 
to work with them and put that energy to a meaningful conversation instead of the static of um, this, you know, militant uh, approach to fighting this oppressor, work with them because whether we like it or not, I think the FDA is here to stay and um, uh, catch more bees with honey. Yeah, basically it. I mean, they're bureaucrats. They don't care if it's cigars, if it's rivets. They couldn't care less. They just have a mission. You know what I mean? That's what they're told to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically, it's federal government. Yeah. So is it? Mm. Is it time? I think so. Are you sure? I yeah. Sure. All right. It is now time for this week's numero de los muertos. And as always, you guys know that Numero de los Muertos is brought to us by our friends at Smoke In. Guys, don't forget, go to smokein.com and use code HBTC15 for 15% off your order. Some restrictions apply. So, Garrett, episode 159, numero de los muertos. What do you have for us this week? All right. So, I think we're going to I think we're gonna get there quick on this one. But not as quick I as don't last think, week. <laughs> I'm hoping it's not as quick as last week. But all I'm going to start with is... Three people died here. That's it? That's it. That's all you get. Wow. We're going to get there. So we got to name a look. Is it Niagara Falls? Yeah, it's not Niagara <laughs> So, Kevin, last week we did this this game, and usually it takes a few minutes for everybody to put guesses in and, and figure out what Garrett's talking about. Last week, Rob from Bovida guessed right away. First words First. out of his mouth, he guessed Niagara Falls, and it was right. So Garrett was Garrett's still a little upset about that, but yeah. So, so we're looking for three people mm-hmm. who died in a particular location. Matt Ty's garage, not my garage. What did you say, Buffalo. Kevin? Bu- Buffalo. Uh, it's not Buffalo. Okay. Is it? I heard about United that horrible. States? The horrible shooting in US. Buffalo. Oh, that yeah, Buffalo that was tragic. Oh gosh, yeah. So it is in the United States. It is. Um, it is not the Pauser one day workout. Chicago. <laughs> it's not Chicago. <laughs> That's a common one, right? Chicago, right. New York City. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, three people died there. Right. Yeah, I could uh, <laughs> basically fuck? name any. Yeah. No, uh, it is uh, uh, not the Mall of America, not Death Valley, not uh, Grand Canyon, not Col- uh, Colorado. It is not Colorado. It is land. Is this Raul? Is this east eastern United States? It is eastern United States. It is now Mount Rushmore. Uh, is this wow. a is this a coastal state? Um, <laughs> it is. It is. Okay. Is it is it sexual in nature? It is no, not sexual in nature. Get your mind out North of the gutter. Carolina. 
It is not at a Trump rally. Is it New York? It is in New York. It is in New York. Is this three people in history or? Uh, well, so <clears throat> I will say people, three people died here at this. Is it the Statue of Liberty? It is not. World Trade Center? No, sir. Thank God. Is it Empire State Building? No. Is it in New York City? No. So it's in Long Island? No. Is it the five boroughs in New York? No. Is, is it upstate? It is. Oh. Upstate. And, it's, and these deaths happen on land? Yes. Um, we know it's not Buffalo, Niagara Falls. Yep. Oh, it's not. No, yeah. Okay, I'm agreeing with that statement. It is not. Lake Placid. No. Mm -mm. Were these deaths caused by uh, recreational activity? Yes. Alcatraz is in San Francisco. That's a, yeah, that's the yeah, other no, side of the other side of the country. <laughs> well, Attica, Attica's in New York. Attica, Attica, yeah. Jason, yes. What did Jason's music festival? <gasps> Was it Woodstock? It is Woodstock. The first Woodstock. Wow! Yes. Oh right, my god! Yeah. Three people died at the first Woodstock. Yep, three people died. So two from yeah, uh, right. drug overdose, and one from being hit by a tractor. I'm sorry to laugh, but are you serious? Yeah, that's serious. Dead sick. Uh, yep. Really? Wow. Yeah. Well, what about the later Woods? Because I know the was the Woodstock's 99 that, that people went absolutely off the rails and went batshit. Yeah, they got trampled yeah. to death. They burned everything. Yeah, they were taking porta potties down the hill, uh, <laughs> sliding. Like, yeah. Yeah, there was bad acid. Um, Raul was right, and uh, two people. Had... Oh, somebody bad somebody acid. brought a batch of bad acid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that'll ruin your day. That much. will ruin your day. Don't do that. Yeah, I had to do something New York uh, for you and uh, bring it back. And when you said your sister was a bit of a hippie, I was yeah, like, oh. like I, I should I should knew that. <laughs> Woodstock, of course. Awesome. See, that took that took more than yes than six and a half seconds. <laughs> there you go. You got your you, you got your mojo back. That was a good uh, one, <laughs> Thor. I can confirm there is good acid. Is there Garrett? <laughs> Garrett, Garrett can confirm from his past life. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, I have. Is there is there good acid? Yeah. I mean, that was over 27 years ago now. So. <laughs> I don't know about today, but back then there was. No, I'm not commenting. <laughs> That's the best way to go. Keep your mouth. I plead the fifth. <laughs> so that was this week's Numero de los Muertos. <laughs> 
right. So let's jump into the lightning round. And the lightning round brought to us by our friends at J.C. Newman Cigar Company. They are America's oldest family-owned premium cigar maker, creators of the popular Brick House, Perla Del Mar, Diamond Crown, and the American J.C. Newman Cigar Company operates out of their 112-year-old El Relo Cigar Factory in historic Cigar City, Tampa, Florida. For more information on their cigars or their visitor experience, please visit jcnewman.com. All right, Kevin, if you could hear the thoughts of one living person for 10 minutes, who would it be and why? The first name that came to my head was Frank Sinatra. Oh, I'll take that. Mm-hmm. I'll take that. I like that. Just to know, just to know his whole background. Yeah, he's one of the on mu- thoughts on music. Yeah, he's one of the people that I would have loved to just hang out with and and have a drink and a cigar with. Absolutely. Yeah. One hundred percent. Yes. All right. Next question: If you were about to get into a fight. What would your soundtrack music be? <laughs> Rocky three. <laughs> Rocky. Yeah. Very popular yeah. answer. Great, fantastic answer. Yes. All right. Um, I, I know these the, boom questions. <laughs> Go ahead. I know that uh, this next question. I'm I'm gonna move to something different because I know what it would be. So, who was who was your number one? crush as a celebrity crush when you were a teenager Jacqueline Smith oh very excellent yeah excellent choice yes yes I didn't face for a minute right (laughs) (laughs) you had that one queued up ready to go no I mean the Charlie's Angel she was the best she was yeah yes and everybody talks about Heather Locklear and she was only on for what a season no she wasn't on that show that was Farrah Fawcett or Farrah Fawcett I'm sorry Yeah. yeah Yeah, everybody right. talks about Farrah Fawcett, and she was only no, on there. No, I like the brunette. I like yes. I like Jacqueline Smith all okay. day. All right, so Kevin, imagine that the zombie apocalypse is coming. Who are the three cigar industry people that you want on your team to defend against the zombie horde? <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> I first one that came up was Terrence Riley, believe it or not. Hell yeah. Okay. He's brilliant. <laughs> it was the first one that came up. Uh, from different manufacturers? Anybody in the Anybody cigar in the cigar business. Rocky? Yeah. And the third one. Oh, probably Abe. Oh, I like that answer. Absolutely. I like that. Very good. Yeah. All right. So that was uh, that was our lightning round for this evening. Let's move into Notable Smokables. And as always, Notable Smokables brought to us by our friends at Ace Prime. Notable cigars, notable passion, notable purpose. Uh, so, Kevin, each week we name a cigar that was notable to us that we smoked recently. It could be something that's been on the market for decades that maybe we smoked for the first time in many, many years. Or it could be a cigar that is brand new to the market that we tried for the first time ever. Obviously, with Rockefeller, you're smoking mostly your own stuff. But sometimes, hopefully, you get a chance to branch out and get something from another brand. Is there something you smoked recently that kind of caught your interest? 
So I smoke a lot of cigars, not only Rockefellers, right? I want to see what my competition's doing. Yeah. But I smoked an Aganosa Casa Fernandez Lancero, mm. Omidoro Lancero, the other day. That was phenomenal. And that mm. thing must oh. have been aged now for, for a long time. Yeah, if it still had the old Casa Fernandez label yep. on it, yeah, that's got to be old. Yeah, that was a terrific, terrific cigar. Nice. Awesome. And I'm a big fan because I, I had a box, so I had one left. I smoked of uh, La Aurora Años 2012 oh, Maduro. What a great cigar. Yep. Oh, my gosh. One of my, be- my all-time favorites. Yes, 100%. What was your notable this week, Garrett? I got to go to the cigar that Rob gave us last week. Mm. Um, so last week, Rob from Bovida gave uh, me a Lancero, and it was my first Balmoral Lancero that I'd ever had, and it melted my face in <laughs> such a beautiful way. Yeah, that was. Yeah, anytime somebody brings a bag of Lanceros, Garrett Garrett's the the hairs on his arm stand up. Yeah. Garrett's a Lancero, <laughs> and, and he brought some incredible old yes, age Lanceros. Old, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love Lanceros. Uh, my uh, my notable this week, uh, and it wasn't this week; it was maybe last week, but it was the uh, the BDP from our friends at Cigar Hustler, from uh, Mike and Mike at Cigar Hustler. And the, the BDP officially stands for Big Dick Palmer. I prefer the acronym Brown Dehydrated Plants because that's what cigars are made of, Brown Dehydrated Plants. So that's that's what I put when I posted on Instagram. And, and he said on their podcast, he's like, he got the name wrong. I said, and I, I didn't say this to him, but in my... In my car as I'm listening to their podcast, I'm like, yeah, I said it wrong on purpose, jackass. <laughs> I just couldn't resist. But it was a, it was a pretty good cigar. Love it. Uh, big, big cigar. Um, I haven't had it. But, uh, yeah, it was, a nice, it was a nice cigar. They got some at Sodi's. So when, when we're there next, we'll pick some, pick some more of those up. Uh, so that was this week's Notable Smokable, brought to us by Ace Prime, improving lives through fine cigars. Please visit aceprime.com to learn more. So to give our viewers and listeners an idea of some very cool stuff we have coming up in the next few weeks, on the 23rd, next Monday night, we have Tom Lazuka from uh, Asylum and CLE Cigars. Uh, we will not have a show on Monday night, uh, the 30th, because that is Memorial Day. It is a holiday here in the United States, and we're going to celebrate that holiday with our family and friends. Uh, but uh, continuing into the month of June, on the 6th of June, we have Bear Duplissy from El Oso Fumar Takes mm. on the show. He was uh, our first ever yeah. live guest on the show uh, three years ago, so we're going to have him back on for, I think, his third at least at least his third appearance on our show uh so kevin i want to tease i want to start teasing the 13th oh yes so the 13th 13th we have got a mystery guest mystery guest and uh this is a show you guys do not want to miss so uh keep tuned for the 13th it is going to be super fun yeah june 13th we're not saying our lips are sealed yep but it's going to be a lot of fun, and there's going to be some lead-up to it and, yeah. and all kinds of fun stuff. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so, Kevin, for our viewers and listeners, uh, give a final plug. Where's the best place for everybody to keep up with the, everything going on with Rockefeller Cigars? We have an Instagram. It's rock underscore A underscore fellow cigars. Allison does our social media. She does a good job. We have uh, on Facebook Rockefeller Cigar Experience, mm-hmm. and we have Rockefeller Cigars. 
www.vrcgcigars.com is our website, which at some point we're going to redo it. And that's pretty much it, man. Nice. I'm all over the, the, the country, so. So after, uh, after Virginia, where are you headed to? From here, New York. Okay, right on. Right on. Well, Kevin, we cannot thank you enough for being on the show this evening. We really appreciate appreciate the conversation, brother. Yeah, man. Thank you very much for having me, guys. Yeah, I had a great time getting to know you and uh, looking forward to uh, seeing you more at uh, events and as we travel. You know, can't wait to have a stick with you soon. Absolutely, brother. Pleasure. Thank you. All right. So viewers and listeners, guys, thank you so much, as always, for watching on Facebook Live and on YouTube Live. And for those of you, of course, listening on the audio podcast, we're really grateful for you guys keeping up with everything going on with How About That Cigar. If you have questions for Garrett or myself, make sure you can email us on the website, howaboutthatcigar.com. Follow us on all social media at HBT Cigar. And of course, as always, burn cigars, not bridges. See you guys. Thanks. Everybody.